0: Welcome to The Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Wisdom, a study through Proverbs.
1: Welcome to The Cross Loganville. This is a little bit odd and different today, but we truly are celebrating an amazing week that we just had. So this past week we had our vacation Bible school. We had over 273 kids here all week. Out of that 273... About 75% of them had noted from day one that they did not have a church home, were not planted in a church anywhere. So this is the biggest outreach that we do here at the cross. So a little bit about this week. Our theme this week was the incredible race. We were talking about the one race that God created, which is the human race, right? So we talked a lot about how we all may look different on the outside, but we're all the same on the inside. And so that was one of our one of our catchphrases was one race. The other was one family because God intended us all to be one big happy family. We are all descendants of Adam and Eve, right? And we are all a big family. So welcome to our family here at the cross. We appreciate you being here. And then lastly, we focused on, and this was towards the end of the week, we focused on one one savior, because we do. We have one Savior, and that is the only thing that matters, and so that is where we spent a lot of our time on Thursday and Friday.
2: Awesome, it was such a great time. I um, actually was able to have the pleasure of teaching one of the classes and it was beautiful to see not only how the curriculum was written, but how the volunteers all came together and shared this good news, right? This That we are all one human race, that we are all in this together and we are community and family under the Lord. So the volunteers did an incredible job. There are so many times where I'd see a volunteer sitting with a student who had something stirring in them them, a question about salvation, a question about how their their home life is. And it was just beautiful to see all the volunteers do that. We know it was a huge sacrifice to be here during the week to give up your time, but it is evident in these students that it was so important. Those volunteers are going to share a testimony. If you could come on up real quick. Hi, so I'm
1: Addison Mobley, and um, for the beginning of EBS, every day we did a video and interviews on a bunch of different people so my interview is about how i don't look different but i am so i have type 1 diabetes and i have a pump and a sensor so i came to vbs with the mentality of i hope these kids don't ask a bunch of questions and like because you know how kids are and everything (laughs) so (laughs) so but when they did it was like they just thought it was like the coolest thing and they wanted to learn more about it and they thought it was cool how I was different and everything. So it really showed me like these kids, their innocence is like kind of good because they haven't seen as much hatred and judgment in the world like others of us have. And so we like, we need to learn from them.
0: Hey, y'all. My name is Andrea, and initially I was actually not going to volunteer for VBS. Whenever my mom said, hey, you got to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning for a week in the summer, I was like, no. (laughs) So, but lo and behold, Monday morning I got up, came up to Rachel, and I was like, hey, where do you want me? Thinking she's going to put me, you know, registration, a floater. And then she said, no, you're going to be in charge of Team Canada, which was 24-year-olds. So my initial reaction was absolute panic, but the first day was chaotic, to say the least. It was me, Brad, Connor, and Noah. So it was four teenagers with 24 year olds. So it was crazy, And but from day one to day five, day one was literally stressful and I thought, oh my gosh, I cannot control these children, I am not coming back. To day five, when I had to leave early for work, I was literally in tears whenever they were hugging me because they were just so cute and it was so much fun but the three things that my team accomplished and our leaders accomplished was, for one, these kids learned about God. Some of them in the room, they had pre k so they knew the stories, and then some of them had no idea. And that was a big deal for us. And whenever we were in small group and they were asking questions, and for them to ask questions and say that they didn't know stuff before that they know now, that was a big deal. And for number two, we loved on these kids. Me, Connor, and Brad, I mean, they loved on us the whole week, and we loved on them the whole week. And that was a big deal for us, too, because some of them, like Rachel said, they don't have a church, and they come in here, and everybody was just loving on them. I mean, they're too cute not to love on, seriously. And But number three is that we had playing out fun. Our group, we brought speakers for them to dance to Old Town Road, and... <laughs> On all the days, we went all out. I dressed like a fool. I don't know if any of y'all saw me every single day, but it was just to have fun with them, just something extra for them to do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, but next year, the moral of my story is, for those of y'all that didn't volunteer and you're feeling kind of hesitant, come try it for a day. That's what I did, and I absolutely loved it enough where I stayed the entire week as much as I could. And seriously, I went home crying. And the other day, the last day, I was talking to my mom. And we talked about these kids and just the crazy story for two hours. And we were trying to watch a movie. And she's like, all right, Andrea, calm down. I'm trying to watch a movie. We can talk about this later. But so next year, just don't hesitate. Come out to VBS, do something, be a team lead like I did with four-year-olds, or do registration.
3: (laughs) Hey, guys, my name is Melanie Newton. Um, so I'm going to be really honest, since I've come back in September to the Loganville area, um, I've been battling back and forth of whether or not I wanted to go back into children's ministry, mainly because I have four children of my own, and I stay home with them every single day, um, and I homeschool them, so I teach them regularly, and the last thing I wanted to do was come to church on Sunday and teach more kids, you know, um, but at the same time, I also knew that I was more comfortable with kids, a lot more comfortable with kids than I am standing right here talking to you guys about it. <laughs> and um, but so I volunteered and Rachel set me up as a team lead for third graders during VBS and the first two days, it was just like the kids were so, they had so many questions they wanted to know and it was so different than than my kids it brought a new kind of um a new just a new way of thinking they thought differently than my kids so it wasn't the same as teaching my kids right it was new and on tuesday i was like i have to text rachel and let her know that i'm going to start volunteering on sundays because if i wait till friday i might change my mind <laughs> cuz um I mean, but even the kids that were, that like to talk a lot, the kids that were always causing a distraction throughout the week in our small group time, when they had times to share, like, what their prayer requests were, when they kind of got intimate, you know, those kids were the ones that were dealing with the family issues, where their dads were gone, or somebody had died in their family, or, you know, some people may work all the time, and, and they're missing that at home, and... Um, I'm going to share just one story about a little girl in my class that just, she, during, on Tuesday, when she was, um, when we were having, when we were taking prayer requests, like, she started getting teary-eyed, and she didn't want to share to everybody there what was going on with her, she just was really upset, but that was, like, the last block of the day, I didn't have a chance to talk to her, and, and I carried these kids home with me every day, right, like, I didn't stop thinking about them when they left with their parents, and so the next day, I pulled her aside the first chance I got, and I asked her what was going on with her, you know, what was, what was happening. And she told me, you know, why she was upset and what she was going through. And we, we talked about it, and I said, you know, I love you. I'm just, you know, that's why I pulled you aside, and I want to talk to you. And she looks at me. She goes, I know you do. And that week, that's a little girl. She gave her life to Christ in my class. And it just... Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I started volunteer. I'm going to start volunteering again with the kids on Sunday, and it's hard. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. So, thank you guys.
4: Thank you for uh, Rachel and your team. All of the hard work you guys have put into it and everything you've done. um, It would not be possible without you and the team that you guys have built around you. So thank you for your continued investment and the work that you do invest in that next generation. How many of you guys enjoyed watching Rick eat that bug? I think Rick enjoyed it so much, I found a cockroach in the back that Nick had uh, in some of his stuff, so I'm going to give it to Rick and get him to eat it. Come on up, Rick. I got a cockroach. No, I understand. So, hey, he would do it, though, because he loves to entertain kids that much, so it was a great great week and an opportunity to be able to see a lot of life change happen and you can wonder you can think you know what does the impact really have on a child coming in for a week of something like this what does the impact really look like uh i can remember um on a a mission trip to the Dominican republic i remember we saw uh man just just tons and tons of kids really impacted by uh one of the, the the vacation bible schools that we did while we were there and to a point so much where when we got back, um, you know, to the, to the uh, place that we were staying at, um, at the compound there, we began to talk through, and, and that night at Devotion, we were talking about what is the impact really that you can have in one day in a child's life. And we began to think, and we began to question, you know, did it really make that much of a difference with some of these? You know, because we saw, you know, several, several teenagers come to know Christ, on that during that day as we shared the word um did it really take did they really understand what they were doing did it really make that much of an impact and there was a young lady on our team that was from the dominican republic who had lived here in atlanta uh, for several years and she had gone back down with us and she was on our team and i remember judith she raised her hand and said guys i was one of those kids i was one of those kids There was at a vacation Bible school when I was a teenager, and a group came in, and they invited all the kids from the the village we lived in to the community house, and they did a vacation Bible school, and I surrendered my life to Christ then. And that was what made the difference in my life. So you never know the impact that you can have on a child. You never know the impact that you can have on someone. So I ask you, we're going to roll into what we've been looking at in Proverbs. We've been going through Proverbs the last few weeks. If you're a guest here, thank you guys for coming. Um, If you're one of the families who had a a child here, thank you for giving us the opportunity to invest in them. And we pray that God continues to use the seeds that were planted this week to grow fruitfully in their lives. We've been looking at Proverbs, and, and as we get into Proverbs 7 and 8, it gives us a great picture of wandering or walking. In Proverbs 7, it's an example of somebody who is wandering through life. In Proverbs 8, it gives us an example of what does it look like to walk through life. What does wander really mean? The definition of wander is this, to travel or traveling aimlessly, traveling aimlessly from place to place. Think about it in your life, traveling aimlessly from place to place. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been wandering through life? Have you ever been in a place where you've just kind of stumbled from here to, here, here to there? Or you've done this or done that, and then you look back and say, how did I get in this rut that I'm in? How did I get in this, this ordeal that I'm in or this situation? Or my life is just so mundane, it's just stable misery. It's just wandering through life aimlessly. Or are you walking through life? Are you walking with the Lord your life are you walking with the wisdom that he gives you the opportunity to see and to know who he is to do what his word his owner's manual tells you to do the scripture is an owner's manual he created us he designed us he knows what's best for us and so we have the choice because of our free will we can choose to look at the owner's manual and see how to live our lives or we can choose to i'm going to live on my own do my own thing we've all seen examples of this in there's examples in the room today there's people who have wandered through life that over the last couple of years we've seen them come to know Christ and the difference that Jesus has made in their life are you wandering or are you walking there's a young lady in here that that about a year and a half ago she surrendered her life to Christ she was wandering through life because of fear that gripped her She was wandering through life because she was afraid of making mistakes. She was afraid of disappointing someone. She was afraid to step out and to do what God had created her to do. So she was gripped with fear, and she wandered for 30-something years through life until about a year and a half ago, she surrendered in here on Sunday morning. And when she surrendered, you can see a distinct difference in her life. That fear drove her to depression. That fear drove her to drugs and alcohol. That fear drove her to so many things that were outside of what God desired. But yet what God did was this. He extended his hand and said, I'm here. You can run as hard and as far away from me as you desire to go. But when you turn around, I'll be right here for you. Man. And that's exactly what Brandy Powell experienced, isn't it, girl? It's exactly what it is. And people who know you have seen that in your life. People who know you have seen the difference that God has made in your life. There's a difference in your life. You know, we we got Paul and Crystal Maddox that are usually sitting right up here. God used them. They went through a lot of stuff in their life, right? They went through a lot of things in their life, okay? They wandered through life. A lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of consequences, even jail. Having kids taken away. All kind of things to a point to where... They finally surrendered, and when they surrendered, they said, you know what? I know there's consequences. I know God's going to walk with me through my consequences, but I'm going to tell you one thing. My life has changed, and it is different. No longer will I just wander aimlessly through life, but instead I will walk with him through the good and the bad, no matter how good things are or how bad things are, and I will walk with him no matter what. And it has been incredible to see God restore them, God redeem their family, God bring them back together, God restore relationships. It's been amazing to watch that. And those of us who know them, you've seen that in their lives. You've seen it. There's a a guy sitting in here that his first Sunday here, he walked out and he sat in the car with his wife and he looked at his wife and he said, if we're going to continue to go to church here, it's going to be very uncomfortable for me to live the way that I've been living. Why? Because the truth of the Word of God will take you from wandering aimlessly through life. And it gives you direction and the ability to walk with God. To walk with Him. Big Terry, stand up. Big Terry was literally wandering down the side of the road a couple of years ago. When Spencer asked him if he wanted a ride, that ride changed Terry's life because within a couple of weeks of him coming here, he began to feel family. Within a couple of weeks of him coming here, he began to feel value and purpose. And Big Terry came to me one day, I'm standing right here, and he said, You know what? I'm going to surrender my life to Christ because I've never experienced love like I've experienced here in 50-something years. So Big Terry's literally wandering through life, and God brought him to himself and said, Hey, here's what I've got for you, big dog. Here's what i got for you, buddy. And I'm going to tell you, if you've seen Terry over the last couple of years, you've seen the change in this man's life. A change that God has made he's gone from wandering aimlessly to walking with the Lord where are you at in your journey where are you at if you've got your Bible if you've got your your Proverbs devotion you open up to chapter 7 we're gonna take a look at chapter 7 there's something that's in here that, that, that is found over and over throughout Proverbs and, and it's written so many times for a purpose and for a reason beginning of seven says this my son keep my words treasure up my commandments with you keep my commandments and live keep my teaching my teaching is the apple of your eye bind them on your fingers write them on the tablet of your heart you know that's written in proverbs every in some way or another every single chapter before this this is the seventh chapter of proverbs right Don't you think that we've gotten it through the first six chapters? No, we haven't. Why? Because we are a human race who God knows are stiff-necked and stubborn, right? If anybody disagrees with that, think back to your childhood. How many times did your parents have to tell you? Look twice before you cross the road. Don't be eating glue. Okay. I mean, how you think about in your life. How many times did your parents have to touch? I mean, my parents had to tell me that several times. Maybe that's just me, but I mean, maybe that's what's wrong. There's several things that you know you can think back to your childhood. You know, don't be touching the, the hot stove. Don't be doing things. You had to learn. There's a lot the, over and over. Clean your room. How many times you hear that growing up, right? My kids hear it at least three times a day. My son's sitting over there going, Amen. Right? Yeah, How many times did you hear, brush your teeth, put on deodorant, all those things. Some of you guys should have listened to that other one from your parents on you know, deodorant, I'm just it. But that's one of those things. Why do you think God put it in here again? Because it's that important. Guys, it's that important in our life that God would say over and over, he would have it written in his word, keep my words, treasure my commands, my commandments will let you live. That's what it is. It gives you the ability to live. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Keep them bound in in your fingers. Give God the opportunity to do what he desires to do with you. It's in there over and over and over. The rest of Proverbs 7 goes into wandering. It's a great story of wandering aimlessly away from God. And then all of Proverbs 8 is very intentional about walking in the wisdom that God gives us. Where are you at in your journey? We all have to make a choice. Will I wander around through life and its situations on my own, or will I walk with the Creator step by step with Him, doing what He has designed me to do? What will you do in your life? All of us are children, right? We have a lot of incredible children in the room. It was awesome to see them up here dancing and and singing. It was incredible to watch that. It's that childlike faith that Jesus says we have to have. We're all children. It doesn't matter your age. We're all children of God. He desires to have a fatherly relationship with you. He desires to have a fatherly relationship with you to see you and to help you grow in your walk with Him. It's that childlike faith. I remember each of my children, we were all created distinctly different. But all of us have that intuitive faith. I remember taking Emma when she was about two or two and a half, three years old, and there was a retaining wall. that's was about seven foot high. And I remember Emma walking and, and standing on the edge of that, me being down below it, and me looking at her and saying, jump, darling, I'll catch you. And my daughter would look at me, and Emma said, will you catch me? And I looked her in the eyes, and I said, yes. And she jumped. Right? She jumped. She took that leap of faith. Why? Because she believed in me as her father. She believed in me as her father to say, I will catch you when you jump. My son, Aubrey, when he was about the same age, two or three years old, same thing. He's standing up on on a big wall and I'm below and I look at him and he's seen the way that I have raised his sister. He's seen the way that she has trusted me in different ways. She's never seen her jump off that wall, but when he gets the opportunity, he's standing above it and I look at my son and I say, jump. Jump. My son doesn't ask the question, why? Because he's seen the example that was laid before him. And he looks at me in the eyes, and he jumps, and I catch him. What is the example that you're leading? What is the example that people are seeing in your journey? My youngest son, Jack, same thing. He's up on that wall, and if I'm walking anywhere near it, that kid's jumping off, right? (laughs) I'm like, you've got to be watching. I mean, it's a heads up all of a sudden, and people around here know it. He all of a sudden will come jumping off of something and be hanging on them. One guy told me a couple weeks ago, he goes, I walked into the lobby, and the next thing that I know, Jack had climbed me like a tree and was on my head and just hanging on. And we just laughed. He was like, I just took him. He goes, I didn't know if we were wrestling or what we were doing. And so I just, I just kind of like flipped him over, and we just laughed. He goes, he just didn't say a word, just came and was just on me like that. That kid's the one that needs a helmet, okay? He's the one <laughs> that we've said needs a helmet so hey we're all children what kind of an influence are you having what kind of a spiritual influence are you having it's the opportunity that we have to be invested in and to invest in others because God is the same way he's standing there with his arms wide open saying I will catch you jump take a step of faith take a leap I am here for you but unfortunately so many of us stand at the edge looking going Will you catch me? And he has already said, yes. And we say, you know what? I think I've got a better way myself. And we do something different. We walk away. Are you wandering or are you walking? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's the things that we do with our children when they're younger. It's the investments that we make when they're younger. How are you investing in that next generation? Even if you don't have children, how are you investing in that next generation? Are you a spiritual father? Are you a spiritual mother? Are you a spiritual big brother or spiritual big sister? We all are called as a follower of Christ to invest invest in others. Are you doing so? What does that look like in your life? How are you investing in that next generation? What path are you leading your children or others down? What path are you leading them down? You know, it's one of those things. Children do not cause problems, they reveal them. Children do not cause problems, they reveal them. I'll be watching my kids and I'll see them do something really good and I'll be like, yeah, that's me right there. I'll watch them, they'll do something really bad, I'll be like, that's the mother right there, I'll tell you what. She's sitting over there shaking her head saying, it's going to be a long ride home for you, buddy. So, No, it's... but. Have you ever been sitting there watching and, and, and really you, you see your kids do something and you go, man, I can see exactly where that comes from. Sometimes it makes you proud. And there's other times you see it and you look and you go, man, that was me right there. I blew it. I see where they got that. I see what I need to work on. I see how I need to make some adjustments in my walk. Are you wandering or are you walking? What does it look like in your journey? Wisdom was birthed from the heart of God in the heart of God for man It was birthed in the heart of God for man and wisdom comes from life and life experiences The end of chapter 8 talks through that where was wisdom birthed from And it's from the heart of God for us You can think back and, and think about some of the childhood memories that you have some are really good some are really rough I know there's a lot of different memories in here that you have as children I can think back to my childhood. I can th- think back to, to going out with my dad, and my dad was a mechanic. He was always fixing things. And, and I would have the opportunity to go alongside of him, and I remember you know, whether he's working on a machine and me helping him to fix it or changing a tire, me helping with that, or changing the oil in a vehicle. And when I got a vehicle, doing some routine maintenance, work, doing on, work on the brakes or changing out a thermostat or doing things that my dad taught me to do, those are things I carry on with me now. I was helping a friend that lives close to me with something that he had an issue with his vehicle. And he just looked at me, shook his head. He goes, How do you know all this stuff? So my dad taught me. These are things that, that you see, you learn. What are you teaching? What are you investing in? Financial responsibility and tithing. I remember at eight years old, my father and I began to sell firewood. I remember that I would have to log in a journal. The time that I started and the time that I stopped every day. I would have to keep up to the minute how much time I spent. And my dad did the same thing. My father's sitting right over here. My dad did the same thing. Wrote down how much time he spent working on firewood. And when we sold a load of firewood, he would go to the book and we would add it up. I'd add up how many hours and minutes I had. He would add up how many hours and minutes he had. And then we would split the money according to whose time was worth what? If he had worked 60% of the time and I would worked 40% of the time, he got 60% of the money. I got 40% of the money. And I remember my father giving me that money. And if I had made $23.11, then my dad gave me $23.11. To this day, if I owe my dad $48.22, I will give my dad a $50 bill. And my dad will give me back and the change he will then count out if he's missing the three pennies He will go find him if he doesn't have it in his pocket because he's that generation who always has change in his pocket, right? And he will walk into the house, he will go find three pennies, and he will bring those three pennies to me. And I'm going, I don't care about the three pennies right now. It's okay, because I'm going to have to wait 30 more seconds for you to go get that and bring it out to me. And my time's worth more than three pennies. But he still makes me sit and wait to go get those three pennies. And my dad's sitting there shaking his head. Yeah, because if my dad ever dropped a penny on the ground or saw one on the ground, guess what? He's been in over to pick it up. I'm the same way now. <laughs> I mean, that's just it. But here's one thing he taught me. When he gave me that first paycheck from that firewood, my dad said, 10% of this goes to the Lord because all of it belongs to him. All of it belongs to the Lord, but that first 10%, you'll take into children's church and you'll drop it in that bucket. And that's been carried on all of my life. All of my life, that first 10% goes to the Lord. All of my life. And I'll tell you this, that was something that was instilled in me as a child, watching my father be obedient. I mean, I I can tell you, I've never had a legitimate worry about money. That does not mean we have not gone without. That does not mean I've not had financial struggles. But I've never had a worry about it. You know why? Because I've been obedient to the Lord And whatever the consequence was for my foolishness, if I went out and blew money, then that was the consequence I would pay. It wasn't God who did it. It was me. And I can tell you, even even in an injury that my father had that we lost almost everything but our house when he had a back injury, still seeing the obedience that they had in my life, having that same obedience to say, God, you've blessed me with this. It all belongs to you. This is going to you first. I can look at you and I can tell you. I've gone without. I've been trying to figure out how to have enough money to make a house payment. In college, I tried to figure out how I was going to be able to eat something other than ramen noodles and peanut butter sandwiches. I couldn't even afford jelly at times because I ran out of money because I was stupid with my money the first two weeks of the month. So the second two weeks of the month, I mean peanut butter, jelly sandwiches and ramen noodles. And if I got creative because I ate them so much, I would put peanut butter on a ramen noodle and put it in a sandwich, and it was still not good. (laughs) But that's desperation. But even in those times, even doing without when I did not have the money, even then, I did not worry about my finances, did not worry about the money. Why? Because of the little things that were instilled in me, that spiritual imprint that was there. Seeing my mom, she taught Sunday school for 20-something years. She taught children Sunday school, watching my mom sit and prepare a lesson, watching her study to get ready to go and to teach. It's things that you remember. There's things in your life that will be an imprint on you. Last Sunday, we were doing a partnership class, and uh, Addie Eccles was sitting in there. And Addie and Brett, as they were sitting there, we were talking about what is our story, what's your story? And I remember I asked Addie, so, you know, what was one of the times in your life that was really meaningful when, what was your story? And she shared, said, you know, the the most spiritual um, influence that I've had in my life that's made the biggest impact is watching my grandmother in her time in the Word. Her quiet time every day. She would get up and she would spend at least an hour at the foot of her bed reading the Word and writing down what God was showing her and praying. And she said, I remember seeing that as a little girl growing up. And then when we would go spend a week at her house in the summer, there were times she would invite me in to do that with her. She said that was an influence and an impact on my life I'll never forget. Her grandfather gave her a devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. And in it, he had written this, promise me one day that you will meet me in heaven. So those those things are the impact on her life where she really began to take her walk with Christ seriously. Why? Because she quit wandering and she started walking because the influence somebody had in her life. What will you do? Are you wandering or are you walking? Are you wandering or are you walking? Proverbs 7 gives you a Illustration in a picture of wandering. I'll encourage you this week. You've got the notes, they're sitting there um, on the back of the bulletin. Um, go back and look. Look at these things, verses six through nine, as it talks about shuffling in the darkness in verse in chapter seven, being on your own path. Ten through fifteen, standing on your own will, entertaining temptation. As you go through sixteen through twenty, straying from the truth, mingling with sin. What I encourage you to do is this. Go through and write down things that you see. Circle in the scripture. Circle the things that show you what it's talking about. What does it mean when you're straying from the truth and mingling with sin? Being wily at heart. Feet that don't stay home. Every corner, seizing them. What does sin do? That's exactly what sin does. From there, you can see in 21 through 23, let us have our fill. Let us delight. What does that really mean? That's what sin does. I'm going to do for me what I want to do for me. That's what sin is. I'm going to continue these things. Strolling, lured down the path of destruction. And then 24 through 27, you can see, and this is what I encourage you, go back this week and study Proverbs 7 and 8. Look and see that that wandering path to where it ends up sinking into the depths of death and destruction, where it ends with this. Going down to the chambers of death. What does it look like in your life when you disobey, when you follow and you do your own thing? But then you get a picture of walking with wisdom. In chapter 8, does not wisdom call? Does not wisdom cry out and call you? Listen to wisdom's call. 6 through 8, seeking that righteousness. 9 through 11, holding on to the truth. 12 to 21, hating evil. From there, 22 to 31, valuing godly wisdom that was birthed in the heart of God for man. And then finally, what does it look like in 32 to 36? You live it. What does it look like in your life as you live it, as you live your life for Christ? There's a young man that I saw go from wandering to walking when he was in his middle school and high school years. As a middle schooler, he kind of wandered here and there. But he got very serious his sen- is, is when he got into high school. This young man's name was Michael Fritz. And Michael began to really, truly desire to grow in his walk with Christ. He began to seek after it and began to want to live his life for Christ. He was a pretty good athlete. He was a great baseball player and great football player. But his senior year, he had a knee injury, ended up tearing his ACL. And was knocked out his senior year of football. And I remember him being so hurt and so burdened by this. Because it wasn't because he couldn't play football anymore. It was because he wanted his senior year to be used for God and for his glory. And he knew God had gifted him with the ability to play. And he wanted to use that as an influence to his teammates. About the way that God could use their talents, their gifts, and their abilities in a way that it could glorify God. And it devastated him when he was not able to do that. I remember sitting with him and talking through him as I was discipling him. And I remember just just saying, Michael, keep your head up, buddy. Listen, God is going to use it. He's got a plan. He knows a purpose. He has a plan for whatever goes on in your life. He can use this. And what I challenged him was this. I started thinking through and praying through, and, and, and I, I challenged Mike. I said, you're having surgery in about a week and a half on your knee. You're not going to be able to do much with your legs for a while, but that doesn't mean you can't still do stuff with your upper body. So, Mike, would you think you could train to where at the end of October you would be able to do about 350 push-ups at one time? And he was like, 350? And I said, 350. Do you think you could train to be able to do 350 at one time? He was like, I don't know, but I'll try. I'm willing to give it everything I can. So Michael was one of those that when he got injured, he didn't check out. He got injured, and he leaned in. He was there at every practice. He was there at every game. He was encouraging them. He was still using the gifts and the talents that he had, but in a different way. Every Thursday, I would do a devotion with the football team. As they walked in on this one particular Thursday... Michael and I were the first ones down there. I told him, "Be ready, here we go." He had worked up to where he thought he could do about 325 to 350 push-ups at one time—five sets of five. He had worked up to where he could—he thought he could do it. So as a guy came in, I looked. and said, "Chris, would you like a power bar?" I had a box of power bars. Chris was like, "Yeah, I love one." You yeah, have football players are—they'll eat anything, right? He's like, yeah, i love one. I said, gave him a power bar. I said, Mark, Michael, you mind doing some push-ups so that Chris can have one? Michael jumped down and did five push-ups. Yeah, early on, there's nothing to it, right? Jason came in. Jason, you want a power bar? Yeah, man, I love one. Hey, Michael, you mind doing five push-ups so Jason can have a power bar? Wait, wait, I, I can do my own push-ups. No, no, no. Michael, Michael's like, no, 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 I got it, I got it. He did them. After about 30 or 40 guys come in, Michael's done. You know, a couple of hundred push-ups and, you know, guys are walking in saying, hey, John, would you like a power bar? Michael's going, let's roll. He gets one. Hey, John, you want a power bar? Yeah, but hey, I'll do my push-ups myself. Okay, go ahead. John jumps down, does five push-ups. Look at Michael. Hey, Michael, you mind doing five push-ups that John thought he could do himself? Michael knocks him out. A couple of other guys come in. Jake, you want a power bar? No, man, I don't want it. I'll tell you what, Jake, I'm just going to set it right here on the floor. If you want it, you can have it. Michael, you want to do five push-ups for Jake who doesn't really even want a power bar? Yeah, I'll do them. Well, we had accounted for the 65 guys, players, and coaches that were on the team at the time when we started in August. What we did not account for was the 20 or something that they had brought up from ninth grade in JV after their season was over. Sure enough, they just kept on coming in, kept on coming in. Now we had 80-something guys in there. Michael ended up doing 450, over 450 push-ups that day in about 12 to 14 minutes. Um, When I tell you, tears coming down his face as he did it, (laughs) grueling, sweat pouring, grueling. Guys cheering him on, other guys saying, don't take a power bar, all of it. (laughs) All of it. When the last one had come in, We gave the last power bar out. And I said this. So it was that our Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross, pled with his Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit with the understanding that he had done everything that was required of him. He yielded up his life. And like some of those that were in this room, many will leave this free gift lying on the floor or on a desk untouched uneaten and not even thinking about it again i looked at michael and i said fritz well done good and faithful servant not all devotions are preached through words and everyone in that room in that football field house knew exactly what i was saying john fifteen thirteen says greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends shared the gospel very quickly. They had heard it many times that season. Twenty-five of his teammates prayed and surrendered and accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior that day because Michael chose to stop wandering and to start walking. No matter what happened, no matter the consequences, no matter what happened in his life, no matter the path, he was going to walk with God. And God used that. We brought those 25 out in the hallway and began to say, Michael, these are the guys you'll now start discipling. And we began to see life change after life change after life change happen in that group. I was talking to Michael this week, and I said, hey, Michael, I'm going to share share your story about when you did the push-ups for the power bars. You remember that? And he goes, oh, man, I have vivid memories of that. That's exactly it. It's not the vivid memories of the pain. It's the vivid memories of the life change that he saw in that hallway as he began to disciple him. Vivid memories. God is about relationship. Our duty to Christ should depend not on our own strength or subjective feelings, but on our realization of what he has done for us. Are you wandering or are you walking? Because there are people all around crying out for a Savior not to pass them by. But unfortunately, too often, we just keep on walking. We don't have the time to share Christ with them. Where are you at in your journey? Are you personally wandering or are you walking? That's the question. I encourage you this week to dive into seven and eight. Go back through, write down what God shows you. You never know the impact that you'll have on someone else, including the children that we have here, the kids you have around you in your life, the young people, young adults that you have around you. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter if you have kids in your house or not. We all have the opportunity to invest in that next generation, the next generation of followers of Christ. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. Encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there. Uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series, so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web, or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.